Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Exorga Deus Dissipentur in Amicius et Fugiancio Deruntium Afaci Eius. Let God arise and let his enemies be scattered. Let all those who hate him flee from before his face. This is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic. Let's get started with a prayer. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Sancta Michael Arcangelo, defende nos in proelio. Contra nequitiam et insidias diabolius do praesidium. Imperatili Deus, supplicas de precamur, duque princeps militae calestis, satra maliosque spiritus malignos que ad perditionem animarum, pervegantur in mundo divina virtute in infernum letrude. Amen. Our Lady of Fatima, pray for us. Mirror of Justice, pray for us. Domine ostende facium tuum et salvierimus, Ave Maria Purissima, Immaculata Conceptio Est. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. <clears throat> Blessed Carl of Austria, pray for us. I have an article from, well, it's a Substack article that is a reprint of several articles several blog posts from an anonymous Russian blogger. <clears throat> and I'm going to read this article because thus far, I got about, I think, maybe a third, maybe a halfway through it. And it occurred to me, all of these were written five years ago, at least. In fact, actually, the earliest articles, uh, because it's spliced together, the earliest articles go back as far as 2014, 2013, and so none of this is actually contemporary. And this is important because I don't think the actual overall opinions have changed. And I'm going to actually send this article off to uh, Milan because I really want to know his opinion on it and if he thinks it's sound. But I'm going to record this first, and then hopefully I'll get a chance to bring Milan on the show, and he and I can actually talk about it, because I think that would be wonderful. From the article, which 
is simply titled Bohemicus on the Ukraine. If you live in America, you probably know what a civil war is. Union versus Confederation. North versus South. Yankee versus Dixie. Americans have lost more people in this war than in all foreign wars combined in their history. Do you understand what this means? In the war with the separatist Southerners, Americans have lost more people than in two world wars, as well as the Korean, Vietnam, and all other wars combined. And in truth, this actually still holds true, even, even taking into account the thousands who died in Iraq and Afghanistan. While suppressing Southern separatism, Americans have reached the deepest depths of cruelty. What is described in Gone with the Wind is cute nonsense compared to what, actu what was actually happening, and they never regretted it. Because without Dixieland, America is not really America. Ukraine is a Russian Dixie. Without Ukraine, Russia is not really Russia. Russian sovereignty over Ukraine must be restored at any cost. And Russians will restore it sooner or later, even if they have to do terrible things to achieve it. And they will never regret it. If you're an American, then behave like an American. Look at the Russians and their actions as a mirror image of what Americans did in the very same situation. And don't squeal like Ukrainian separatists do. Don't embarrass your country and its great history. From the Russian point of view, Ukraine is an integral part of Russia temporarily occupied by separatists. Other views on the subject are possible, but they are by definition deeply non-Russian. Without the Baltic states, the Caucasus, or Central Asia, Russia remains Russia. Whether it remains Russia without Ukraine is debatable. And it's not about being brotherly nations. It's a geographic destiny. At, that point, at this point, I actually want to insert that everyone who is familiar with the, with the Great Schism understands that the Orthodox didn't break up into Ukrainian and Russian Orthodox. Ukraine was Russian Orthodox, and so, and so the Patriarch of Kiev and the Patriarch of Moscow were equals. Brothers in the same country. It's only very recently that the Eastern Orthodox separated Moscow from Kiev. Moscow and Kiev were sister cities. They were like Rome and Constantinople in, in, the, in the latter part of the empire. <clears throat> All right, anyway, back to the article. Every single great power would have had the exact same opinion on the Ukrainian question if they were put in our place. In fact, they adhere to the same principle when it comes to disputed territories of their own similar importance. France had lost Alsace and Lorraine, and it had been waging wars for centuries to get them back. The British waged genocide on, unfriendly, on the unfriendly Scottish Highlander population to control the territory they considered to be their own. No serious country has ever stopped because of the international outrage. And they will never stop. And they would never stop. Therefore, the very question of will Ukraine accept Russia is humorous in its nature. Russians are completely uninterested in this. This territory is important to us, not the opinion of its population about us. Nothing personal, just geography. Ukraine has signed its death sentence at the very moment when it abandoned Russian as their state language. 
rejection of Russian culture and Russian history automatically followed suit. No European people has ever done such a bizarre thing. The question of independence is not related to the question of language at all. Look at the Western Hemisphere. All European colonists, all of the European Creole, who gained independence preserved both the language and the, of the former metropolis and its cultural tradition. You want proof of this? Look south of the border. All of the former Spanish colonies still speak Spanish. The former British colonies still speak English. The former French colonies still speak French. This, this example shows true in America. I'm sorry, this is actually... Uh, yeah. <laughs> After the word culture and its cultural, or the phrase and it, or the clause and its cultural tradition, all of that was commentary. But this is absolutely true. I mean, you look in Quebec, they still speak French. You look in the United States, we still speak English. I mean, it's a different English, it's a dialect, but it's still English. Puerto Rico, Mexico, Haiti, they all still speak their, their original colonial tongues. All of them. Continuing from the article. Moreover, even the Irish, who shed rivers of blood in the struggle for independence from the hated British, retained English as the state language, leaving the Irish language as an exotic hobby for enthusiasts, although there are many people in Ireland who would dispute that this was a good idea. <clears throat> in the normal course of events, the status of the Ukrainian language in Ukraine would roughly correspond to the status of Irish in Ireland, or taking into account its geographical localization in Galicia and in the surrounding areas, the status of French in Canada. That is a regional language, and it cannot be a national one. If Ukraine wanted to be a full-fledged state, its only official language had to be Russian. All the people of importance who were born in Ukraine considered themselves to be Russian. Gogol, Chekhov, Bulgakov looked upon Ukrainianism with good-natured irony at best. Of course, the inhabitants of today's Ukraine have all the rights to the cultural heritage of historical Russia, and even some special rights to Gogol, Chekhov, and Bulgakov. But Ukrainians chose to declare themselves separate from the Russians instead. That is, they disinherited themselves. To be a European nation, you have to have ancestors who in the 18th century wore wigs with curls and not, to and not Turkish Aceladit's haircuts. I have said more than once that for a number of reasons, the Age of Enlightenment is of key importance for understanding Russian history and culture in general. It is sad that the state does so little study to this era. Classical Russian culture would be enough for at least 300 or 500 million people, maybe a billion. Ukrainianism is assembled from what was not useful to either Russians or the Poles. What came out of it was a Kobzar, uh, Shevchenko's poetry collection as the central work, the Konotop battle as the key event and other freakery, Kshatriya uh, Cossacks, Zaporozhia uh, Republic. Goodness gracious. And I mentioned that, that, that the words actually just look horrifying when they're put in English. Kshatriya <clears throat> Cossacks and uh, Zaporozhia Republic, the Constitution of Pilipolik. All of that wouldn't be enough for even a small Balkan country. Both Serbia and Croatia have much more solid history and culture. What nation can you sustain on a strict diet of Kobzar 
and the Konotop battle. Macedonia, maybe? But Ukraine is a country of 40 million people. On its scale, Kobsar and Konotop are null. They voluntarily rejected the civilization they belonged to. Choosing fake Cossacks with the Osiletsky as their ancestors, Ukrainians became more alien in the eyes of, the Europe of Europeans than Turks. If we call things by their proper names outside of the Russian culture and historical space, Ukraine automatically turns into Africa. Since the Maidan, Ukrainians have invariably shocked Russians with their actions online and in real life. Self-identification based on jumping on the spot, who does not jump is a Moscovite, clearly resembles the customs of, of the Mau Mau rebels. Treating your own eastern compatriots as insects, Kolorads, with their subsequent brutal murder in Odessa, it's like they copied the actions of the Hutus who began the Tutsi, gen Tutsi genocide in Rwanda by broadcasting calls to exterminate the cockroaches. The thin veneer of civilization left in such people is Sovietism. Svidomor Ukrainians are Soviet people par excellence. Supporters of the Maidan and the current Kiev regime are ultra-Soviets Soviet, ultra teeming with Russophobia, just like the former Komsomol functionary from... Oh... Did I mention that these names are going to be really, really pain in the tuchus? Dnepropetrovsk. Oof, wow, that's a rough one. Dnepropetrovsk, Turkinov. They bring down the monuments to Lenin for one reason only. It's a Soviet tradition. The Soviets did it all, did it all the time throughout their short-lived history. They knocked down Trotsky's monuments, replacing them with Stalin's monuments, which in turn were also knocked down to replace them with Lenin's monuments. Now Lenin is being brought down to plant Bandera instead. By the way, they also raised the pathetic stinkard that was Bandera on their banner for one reason only. He's part and parcel of the Soviet myth. No one except the Soviets is even interested in this hero. There was a war between Russians against the, against the Soviets in Ukraine, because Ukraine itself, with its Soviet borders and Soviet Russophobia, is the ultimate product of it. To end the Soviet legacy on its territory, the Ukrainian state should be abolished, and the territory of Ukraine must be reunited with Russia. The sanctions imposed by the European Union against Russia have nothing to do with Ukraine. Europeans today are placing pieces in a game that will be played in 10, in 10 years or even 20 years from now. On the other side of the world, keep in mind this was written little more, uh, like just under 10 years ago. <laughs> and I'm saying that right now because the very next sentence is... Somewhere between 2025 and 2030... China will be ready for a military confrontation with the United States. American strategy is based on isolating China and surrounding it with hostile military political blocs, including Japan, Korea, and other countries. As of now, under these conditions, China will not risk taking drastic actions like an invasion of Taiwan. But the Chinese will stop trembling in their knees if Russia, with its untold resources, and either the second or third military potential in the world, becomes an actual military ally to China. The Europeans need to drive Russia into the arms of China today in order to throw America off of the, t off of the top of Olympus tomorrow. 
This is actually, when I read this sentence, this was what made me decide to record to it. So I'm going to say it again. I'm going to repeat actually the last two. The Chinese will stop trembling in their knees if Russia, with its untold resources and either the second or third military potential in the world, becomes an actual military ally to China. The Europeans need to drive Russia into the arms of China today in order to throw America off the top of Olympus tomorrow. The time of the nation-states is gradually coming to an end. It is possible that in the second half of the 21st century, globalization will reach the formation of a planetary government. If not de jure, then de facto. And today, it's debatable where this government will be located, who will get the role of the center of the world, and who will get its provinces. There are only two real contenders for reaching the finals, Europe and America. And everything that is happening in world politics today is a murky reflection of their struggle for the main prize in the future. I suspect that closer to the finals, it will finally turn into a savage free-for-all. The idea of pitting the United States and the Soviet Union in a nuclear war was close to realization back in the early 60s, during the Berlin and Cuban crises. But they ran into insurmountable obstacles of a geographical nature. It was impossible to force the Soviets and Americans into to exchange nuclear strikes exclusively through the North Pole without affecting Europe. For the same reason, ten years earlier, the Korean War never turned into World War III. Chairman Mao then declared that he was ready to sacrifice the lives of a hundred million Chinese in order to crush American imperialism. The problem was that even sacrificing the lives of two hundred million, he would not be able to cause irreparable damage to America. Also, a direct involvement of the USSR in this conflict would mean an imminent disaster for, Europe, for European livelihood. The idea had to be abandoned for a while. But as any film critic would say, after the end of the Cold War, the fashion for film noir has returned. Replacing the USSR with the PRC in the role of an American potential adversary will ensure that this conflict will not harm Europe as much. This is the practical implementation of the fashionable theory of moving the world's center to the Asia-Pacific region. The half-century of pumping China with money, technology, and, and stories about its greatness will continue in the following decade. It is likely that before the conflict with America, the Chinese will manage to fly to Mars. There will be more noise around this event than Gagarin's flight and Armstrong's walk on the moon combined. And then the Chinese will land in Taiwan or make an ultimatum to the U.S. Americans will have to look for an answer to this challenge. If China is alone in this fight, the U.S. has all the assets to subdue its foe. But China, coupled with Russia, is a different beast altogether. They understand this perfectly well. Hence all the recent actions that, are seemingly, <laughs> that seemingly make them look demented. What we are witnessing right now is not America falling into insanity... It is, an, it is an attempt to disrupt the European scenario. By the way, it seems to me that the trigger of the current crisis was not this idiotic Maidan, but the British Jack from the Sleeve Snowden, who was sent to Moscow via Hong Kong. Ukraine was just randomly picked as a playground for the true players. Wow. Wow. <clears throat> Did I mention that this was well before what's currently going on? This actually was literally before and after the Maidan Revolution. 
before and after Maidan in 2013-2014. Eight years ago, at the earliest, I told you long ago that this whole thing was not what it seemed. They've been moving all of the... the <laughs> they've been trying to do everything that they can to move the capital of the world. Where? To Davos. That's what this is all about. This is about raising the EU banner, that plain blue banner with its stars, over the whole world. Only without using the flag as overtly, because the reality is, is that this is, this has always been about the World Economic Forum and those people who would be willing to get in with that crowd so that they have a place at the table. We weren't fighting socialism. Socialism was a ruse. It's integrated in the whole World Economic Forum agenda. But the actual agenda is the domination of the world by one political system. <clears throat> now for the unpopular opinion. If Davos wants the world, they can have it. Period. Let's be real for just a moment. The United States of America is the most powerful empire since the Roman Empire and is, in fact, the most powerful empire in the history of the world. American influence stretches all the way to the borders of Russia and China. We are unmatched in the history of the world. The international travel language is not German, it's not French, it's not Russian, it is English. Why? Because America mote it be. And our empire <clears throat> lasted a mere 240 years. No other nation in the history of the world has managed to bring more nations under its protection. The Pax Romana extended into the Caucasus, but no further. It extended down to the Sahara, but not into it. And it barely crossed half of Great Britain. The very next empire to rise up in its stead wasn't French, for all their talk. Wasn't even Soviet. The Russian Empire, while they had the, while they had the domain, they did not have the peoples. And now they have, closer to the number of people, that we have as American citizens. But American reach reaches from pole to pole and around the world. And there are merely a handful of nations 
that resist it. Not Chile, not Argentina, not Venezuela. Barely Venezuela, I should say. The Caribbean is ours. Central and South America are ours. Africa is changing hands right now. But for a long time, Africa was ours, and we had barely put any soldiers on the ground. Do you understand that we had barely more than 500 American troops moving all of, moving all of the pieces in Africa to make sure that Africa could not be up and coming and, and shake the global system that we were establishing? Handily, only establishing since the First World War. The Germans, the Third Reich, for all of their spread, I mean, they made it into the Middle East, barely. And they were vaporized by American bombs. The Soviets, to be sure, got a greater landmass with almost no people. I mean, they did take, I mean, they took more geographic, I mean, per, per square, per acre, they certainly took more. But there were barely any people. And they themselves got turned around by a bunch of sheep herders in the mountains of Afghanistan, in the same way that the British Empire did. They called the, they call Afghanistan the graveyard of empires, and it's only because at some point in our in, in an empire's march, we decide, okay, now we're now, even though we don't know who we are anymore, we're going to impose our will on someone else. Which is impossible. And for some strange reason, Afghanistan is always the target. I'll never understand that. We're going to use Afghanistan. I mean, geographically speaking, it's perfect. We were able to maintain we were able to maintain US troops on the border of China. In addition to having infiltrated and overtaken Kyrgyzstan, Without even, with, with barely any money involved. Gain the compliance of Pakistan. To a degree. Of course, they were always moving for their own thing. But Pakistan knew that if we were going to press our... That if we decided to press our advantage, what were they going to do? They were going to drop a few nukes? We would have erased Pakistan. I'm not even joking. George W. Bush would have only had to say that, would have only actually had to turn on the Pakistanis and say, hey, they're the ones who are actually harboring bin Laden and we're going into Pakistan. And there wouldn't be Pakistan. They wouldn't exist anymore. And the Indians would probably be happy about that. They could think for all their boldness, but the reality is, is that for a hundred years... America had the financial backing, the technological backing, the innovation, the just let's go get it. We didn't need to change your flag. We took your government. And it didn't matter who we had to partner with. It didn't matter that we created the Taliban. It didn't matter that we created <laughs> the current situation in Ukraine. Ukraine was a vassal state. But the problem is, is that the, is that the fight was always, it was always between Europe 
and America. Europe saw their, saw their dominion over the world evaporate in the close of the first... They, they saw it crumble in the close of the First World War and whatever was left was swept away by the American brooms and American tanks and American fighters and most notably American bombers. And we're at the end of the empire, and if Davos wants it, they can have it. <laughs> it's funny, I read that article at the same time I just got watch I just got done watching a video of Milo Yiannopoulos give a speech <clears throat> to a pro to a pro-life group, I think in New York, if if I was tracking the way everything was going. <laughs> and he closed it out. He said the American Empire is over. We're not going to save the world from the devastation that comes. The only thing that we can hope to do now is to save as many souls as we can. And in that he was absolutely right. And the other part is that this guy whom I'd never heard of, Bohemicus, Never heard of the dude. And his assessment is absolutely correct. I don't know if I necessarily agree with everything he said about Russia and, and Ukraine. I don't honestly know enough about the history. What I do know leads me to believe that he's basically correct. Given the fact that what he says is fairly identical to everything. Now, Vladimir Putin didn't say Soviet. He said neo-Nazi. This guy says Soviet, ultra-Soviet. What is ultra-Soviet? What goes, what goes beyond Soviet? National Socialist. That's what goes beyond Soviet. Vladimir Putin talks about neo-Nazi elements. It's just, I mean, Russell Brand actually just got to talking about it. Russell Brand just got to talking about how the United States, we've gone after Russia so hard that you can actually buy a neo-Nazi group's paraphernalia on Amazon because you can actually buy t-shirts and patches and flags all marked with the neo-Nazi logos of the Azov Battalion. And all you need to do is actually look up the Azov Battalion's patch and take a close and just look at just zoom it in, zoom it in so that it's full size and you will see you will see the neo-Nazi symbolism, the literal neo-Nazi symbols, the same ones that the neo-Nazis in America painted on those stupid shields in Charleston, excuse me, in Charlottesville. You can buy that on Amazon to support to show your support for Ukraine. <laughs> uh. What a world we live in. What an absolute joke of a world we live in.
whatever happens in the next week or so. Oh, speaking of, actually, quick news programming. The Holy Father, Pope Francis, confirmed today the consecration of Russia will take place in union with all of the bishops. Which means if your local bishop hasn't heard about it yet, he will soon. Our Lady of Fatima, pray for us. Whatever happens in the aftermath, the American empire is over. And I imagine that our, our chickens, which we have sent out to graze, will finally be coming home to roost. We thought we could buy the world. We thought we could deceive the world into following us with all the shiny baubles and trinkets. With flashy green sheets of paper marked United States of America. Federal Reserve Note. But the whole time we were falling for this ruse as a nation, being bought out by our, our elder brethren in the old world, being convinced that their stupid monetary ideas born straight out of the Frankfurt School. You should, you should totally look that up. I haven't done a whole lot on the Frankfurt School, but you should totally look that up. <clears throat> Being set up by the likes of George frickin' Soros. What a... Ugh. It didn't make sense without the Great Reset. And the Great Reset doesn't make sense until you realize that what they're looking for is to finally have Europe have its dominion over the whole world. Using, in part, the flashy little stupid ideas that we sold to them. Which, by the way, kudos to them. I mean, they did exactly what the Nazis did on propaganda. And the Soviets did it. I mean, gracious, you want to talk about are we sure that it was Russia that was spreading the errors? Because we spread everything. Everything that's wrong with the world can be traced back to America. The materialism. The manifest destiny. Well, I mean, the manifest destiny probably goes further. Further back than us. But the materialism and the propaganda, without a doubt. The, weapon, the, the use of protest as a weapon. All of those things actually started here and then got carried over, carried back home to the old country. All of the old countries to be used by Hitler and Lenin, exploited later by Stalin and Mao. And finally, now, now today, being exploited by a bunch of rich, old I only have curse words to describe them, so we're going to skip past the last, the last piece of invective. But those old codgers in Switzerland, who were so bent on making sure that they could mold the minds of the young world leaders specifically into, into the image of the World Economic Forum under Klaus Schwab. Every last one of them. 
what we're seeing now, this, and in all honesty, this actually brings in the last piece. You think Russia is bad? You think Putin is bad? On the chessboard, he's a bishop or a rook or a knight. Maybe even the queen. <laughs> Actually, yeah. Probably a knight with China as the rook or the bishop. The Ukrainians, as horrifying as their suffering is, they are, in fact, pawns. And every last one of them is on the chessboard to be used and dispensed with. Because here's the real secret. The closest we have is for a contest with Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum are partners. They're tools of the World Economic Forum. The fact is, is that this isn't even a battle between Klaus Schwab and George Soros. Klaus Schwab and George Soros are the, on the same team. In fact, I would argue that Klaus Schwab would be the king on the chessboard and that George Soros was the queen, which is why you find his name coming up everywhere. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. In the geopolitical stage, it's amazing. Eight years ago, push Russia into bed with China so that China and Russia together can take on the United States. Had I known that this document, that, that this article had been written yet that far ago, that long ago, excuse me, when it was written, there's a chance I might have actually keyed, on, keyed in on this sooner. And I would have already, and I probably would have been like the pre-Alex Jones. Because here's where it gets really funny. Even Alex Jones isn't Alex Jones. There's a lot of stuff that he's investigating, but he's still the kid on the outside looking in. He's not reaching into the other countries to find out the other perspectives, the crazy things that are going on, and seeing where all of it actually points back to. He can figure, he can figure that part out. And he's largely figured out that this is actually the, the, play, the, out, the overplay of between God and the devil. But he's under the mistaken belief that America belongs to God. That the idea of America, that the American cultural myth was brought about by God. That is just not true. All of this, all of the interplay in international geopolitics, all of the movements of the stock markets, of, of, the, of the global economy, of, of all of the think tanks, of all of these people who've been doing all of these crazy things that seem to make no sense whatsoever, they are all machinations of the devil. Because the target isn't world domination. It's the destruction of all of the souls on the earth. That's the target. The target is the destruction of every human soul. And all of these things serve to both chastise and diminish our capacity to look up to heaven, to look at the cross and see our Lord and look beyond him into heaven. And when I say look beyond on him, I mean look beyond him on the cross and see into heaven, to see him enthroned. <clears throat> I think that might actually have been one of the sloppiest sentences I failed to finish. <clears throat> because Satan wants us looking at the world. And it's really, really funny that I would land on this conclusion with someone I'd never met that America is falling we're done they just haven't stuck the fork in us yet 
And the only thing that we can do from here is do everything that we can to save souls. It's interesting because it makes me wonder exactly where my niche is with this. Because I know <clears throat> I know that God would not have made it easy easier for me to continue to do this, particularly this podcast. If he didn't want it. In all honesty, it only takes about two or three attempts to carry on with something that fail utterly before I look and I go, okay, that's probably not the direction I need to go. And the only thing that's really happened is I've, only, is I've gotten a few indications, and they were indications that I was avoiding because I knew I didn't want to go into them, that made this podcast a little bit more difficult to do. <clears throat> maybe. Maybe. I was the piece of dust that God brought to this point to make sure you had an extra reason to try and become a saint. Maybe. <clears throat> and if that is in fact the case, and I happen to be the unworthy tool, do so. Become a saint. Don't worry so much about the things that are going on in the world. Know that they're there. But know that they're there in order to make the plans that you need to make so that you can fulfill your responsibilities as husbands, as fathers, as, as wives, and as mothers. Provide for the children. Provide for your children. Provide for their education. Provide for their salvation. And maybe save your own soul along the way. I don't know who Bohemicus is. But the dude's brilliant. And it's funny because he seems to think that Edward Snowden was the jack from the sleeve. He is absolutely right. Ukraine was just randomly picked. And I tend to agree, in all honesty, I tend to agree that whatever your judgment is on what Putin and Russia is doing in order to reacquire Ukraine, you can go ahead and have that judgment. But what you cannot say is you cannot say that it's unjustified. In the same way that we can expect Russia to respond the same to respond the way we did over the Cuba Missile Crisis, when we started putting weapons and all that stuff in Ukraine, you need to add to that fact 
that it would be that it would actually be more like Russia was putting weapons in the Confederate South had the South won the war. Because that's closer to what actually is going on. And anybody who's actually a student of history knows that the cities of Kiev and Moscow were linked. For a thousand years, they were linked. And to separate Kiev from Moscow... It's just not right. It's just not right. So yes, condemn Putin for being a... Well, for being the guy who stepped into the trap. Condemn him for, for whatever it is that his soldiers are doing in the name of reuniting Russia, with, or reuniting Russia and Ukraine. If it makes you feel better. But I would advise that you... Stop looking over there and seeing all of the emotional horror and start looking over there insofar as how it plays out in the world. We have never been closer to nuclear war. Why? Because the best laid plans of mice and men, Afghan Aglaith, they often go, they often go wrong. And the people in the White House are just as in bed in Switzerland as the people in Ukraine, in Kiev. And it's all socialism, all fascism, all the way down. It's all Nazism the whole way down. The only thing that's going to save the world is everything goes the way it's supposed to in Rome on the 25th of March. And even that saving may not look like what we expect. We expect everybody to suddenly hold hands and sing Kumbaya. And I kind of know from personal experience that is not how God goes about saving souls. That's usually when he puts them in the fire the hottest. And for us, that'd be an economic collapse and a war and a global firestorm. Because that's what we deserve. And by the way, that's actually the nicer of the two options. The other, the other option is actually the three days of darkness. Because I know that third option of everybody just suddenly plowing their, or hammering their shores and swords into plowshares and joining arm in arm and singing We Are the World and Kumbaya, that crap is not happening. So just be glad you might only need three days of food. You might only... <laughs> and a couple of candles. Wouldn't it be nice? <laughs> Pray for the church. Pray for your nation, your bloodline, your inheritance, your patrimony. 
pray for the people who were losing their lives with nary a chance at repentance or viaticum or the apostolic blessing. Pray for the salvation of those souls that are being lost. Pray for the comfort to the souls that are surviving and the healing. Pray for our leaders in the church that they at least have enough sense to believe what they need to do is what they want to do is what is supposed to happen as requested by Our Lady. Because right now, i got to be honest with you, the other thing that's kind of aggravating me is a whole bunch of people talking about, well, they're going to mess it up. They're not going to do it right. We don't know that. We don't know that. It's grace that is causing this to happen. It's grace that's causing this to happen at all. It's grace that, that the Holy Father... That a holy father is, excuse me, dropping all sorts of stuff. A holy father has had the grace poured out enough that he's taken what appears to be the last chance at world peace. And to those people who are denigrating the importance of that grace, thinking, oh, they're going to find a way to mess it up. Y'all need to pray harder. Y'all need to sacrifice more. Because if they do mess it up, it's because we didn't pray hard enough for the Holy Ghost to decide that it was worth coming down to help. If the Holy Father botches this, it's not his fault. There's barely any of us any of us who believe that he believes enough anyway. So if he manages to botch this, it won't be his fault. It's going to be ours. Because we didn't pray hard enough, because we didn't sacrifice enough, because we didn't fast. Because we didn't merit the grace for that kind of salvation. I'm firmly convinced that that would be most of the reason. Because we didn't do what we were supposed to do. Because our faith lacked the works to back it up. So however hard you're praying, pray harder. However hard you're fasting, assuming it doesn't kill you, or doesn't put you at risk of death. Or even if it does and you're willing to take the chance. Fast harder. We have a week. We have one week. Before the end of the world. In whatever form that takes. There is a chapter ending next Friday. And it's either going to end in fire or grace. Pray that if there is fire, 
that it is grace. This is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic. May God bless you and the Virgin protect you. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 